How to design your own prosthesis and turn the project into a bonding experience. From civil wars, whistleblower tactics, schematic drafting, and the finer points of Sith adoption, the essential how-to guide for the engineering Jedi. By Jack Daw Cry. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 10 And pray to our past on bleeding knees. To say that Firmus Piet was livid as he stalked down the hallways towards the detention center would be an understatement so egregious he didn't think anyone would be able to find the humor in it. Thankfully, he was far from the only one positively boiling with barely contained fury as they made their way there. Engineer Livon had joined up with him once more when he passed the vicinity of the hangars on his way from the stern to the bow of the ship, and considering this concern their immediate superior, and if Piet's eyes weren't deceiving him, friend, Piet didn't have the heart to refuse them their request to join. Besides, the man had the most info on the captured suspect so far, and Piet wasn't about to deny himself such a source before facing the prisoner. Never mind that it was always a wise idea to stock up on relevant knowledge when one knew a positively incendiary Lord Vader was prowling the halls and heading for your destination. Unfortunately, the commanders Apo and Cody had to depart for the medical world instead of joining them, having been summoned by Lord Vader to once more act as large a security detail while his lordship was absent. Instead, they were now accompanied by the troopers Grace and Rocco, who had both summarily introduced themselves as two of the veterans Veers had approved for security duty while the lockdown lasted. Rocco, who had introduced herself as a woman, and Grace, who had introduced himself as a man, had taken up flanking positions around him and Livon while they marched through the oddly empty halls towards the detention center. Curfew had gone into effect for the day shift, and while it was usually encouraged of crewmates to be in their bunk at a reasonable time, Matter of fact was that aboard the Lady, and with both the crew size and general 24-7 activity, it simply wasn't practical to install and enforce a curfew as a matter of course. If he was entirely honest with himself, there was a great amount of credence to the way some of the crew described the Lady as less of a ship and more of a deep space city. And like any city, they apparently had their own criminal population, too. Grimacing in distaste, he returned his attention towards Livon, only two seconds having passed. And what did you say of how the suspect was apprehended, Engineer? He asked lowly, trying not to let the fury seep into his tone. We found him attempting to dispose of some of the evidence, sir, Livon answered promptly, voice icy as well. He was apprehended when he attempted to make a run for it, none too gently, I might add, they said with a vicious satisfaction, and Piet couldn't say he disagreed with the sentiment. There may be some injuries and a few scuffs on him, they finished, sounding utterly unconcerned. The trooper to his right, Grace, snorted loudly. I'll say, he muttered. The guy was full-on tackled by three Vodae. If there aren't any scuffs to show for, I'd almost be impressed. Or disappointed with the Vodae in question, Rocco retorted just as lowly. Piet ignored the both of them as he continued his questioning. And they admitted to the sabotage, too, he followed up sternly. Detaining and interrogating someone who turned out to be an innocent would be a nasty business, but Piet knew himself well enough that he wouldn't be able to treat the prisoner in an unbiased manner unless he heard here and now that guilt hadn't been ascertained yet. Not that he needed to, given that there were multiple eyewitnesses of them attempting to get rid of evidence. That concern disappeared as soon as Livon turns to grin at him, or rather, bare their teeth at him. 
Not in as many words. Though he didn't have the good sense to exercise his right to remain silent, sir, let's put it that way, they said, satisfaction dripping off their tone. They're right, sir, Rocco agreed instantly. I recall an admission of motive, a couple of curses, and some hints to a possible co-conspirator, too, she summed up succinctly. If they weren't the culprit, they sure as hell were attempting to aid the person who is in evading our grasp. Well, then. Piet would feel exactly no remorse when they turned the proverbial thumbscrews on this man, and only some part of him was disappointed that there would be little to be gained by actually turning the thumbscrews on this man. But they needed information, not incoherent confessions made while half delirious with pain. He doubted the man would be granted a swift death, though. Even if he wasn't the saboteur, he was still caught attempting to aid and abet them, and Lord Vader was far from in a forgiving mood. And who are they, exactly? He asked darkly as he gave the trooper at the first checkpoint before the detention center his codes, eager to put a name to the vague threat that had been hanging over them. You seem to know who they are, Livon, but enlighten the rest of us. I'm rather curious to that particular tale as well, sir, Grace agreed as he stepped forward to unlock a door. Who is he? Livon made a sound deep in their throat that wasn't entirely unlike a snarl and began their explanation. His name is Rodolphus Hurst, and he is, was, a part of the engineering corps. Vice-engineer, fifth rank, to be exact. Livon pulled a hand through their hair and blew out a breath. I can guess as to his motivation beyond what he yelled as well. Hurst is from an old-world core family, and his name carries some weight in the right circles, but... Well, they trailed off. Not here, Piet finished easily, certain in his assertion. Your name alone could get you far in most of the Imperial Armed Forces, but not here. Not aboard the Lady. Not under Lord Vader. Nothing but sheer competence and luck would do, and if you didn't have either, you either didn't advance in a best-case scenario, or were disposed of in a worst-case scenario. Livon shot him a significant look. Yes, they agreed. Not here, they sighed. Hurst, he's a good engineer. Decent enough, but nothing special, nothing that would warrant the higher-ups taking notice, and I never saw fit to promote him beyond vice-engineer fifth rank, either. Neither did Lars. Hurst never took that well. He attempted a petition for a promotion many times, but his performance never improved to match his desired rank, so I dismissed it every time. Rocco made a disgusted sound that Piet could swear was accompanied by an eye roll. Ah, oh, one of those types, she grumbled, scorn thick in her voice. Exactly, Lavon agreed. I see that now, but then... Their expression turned pained as they recalled the rest of their story. Lars heard him out as well, Lavon revealed, but demanded that he be able to perform certain tasks and assignments to his satisfaction before promoting him, and gave him those chances, things like being able to keep cool in a crisis, being able to lead a team of people to perform at a certain level, and general leadership, but Hurst failed, inevitably, every time. Piet hissed through his teeth as a picture began to take shape, barely registering the second checkpoint as they passed through. And let me guess, he nearly growled. Hurst took umbrage with the laws instead of seeking to improve his own skills. Spot on, sir, Lavon said with a mirthless smile. He blamed Lars, and when Lars instead responded by saying that the officers above him were able to perform to satisfactory standards, and that while Hurst wasn't quite at their level yet, he was happy to allow the man to retake his trials whenever he felt ready for them, well, Lavon shrugged his shoulders, Hurst lost it. It was one of the few times that I've seen Lars pull rank, too. 
Sir may be a rather easy superior to work under, but he still demands a certain level of respect. When Hurst refused to submit to his judgment and proceeded to create a scene in which he slandered Lars's name and those of some other officers with deplorable language, Lars actually saw fit to have him suspended for a while, citing his inability to treat his fellow officers and sentients with any modicum of respect. One of the troopers whistled low and Piet could only agree. For Lars to actually deem someone as having gone too far and disciplined them to the extent of suspension, he couldn't believe this hadn't sent the scuttlebutt spinning like a top. Why is this the first time hearing of this incident, engineer? He asked, curiosity piqued. Usually the grapevine was rather reliable in dispensing any Lars-related news within days or hours. It happened during an officer meeting, Livon explained quietly. And Lars asked to keep the incident among ourselves and not air any dirty laundry beyond necessity. Hurst had already been disciplined, according to him, and he didn't think it proper for him to be punished by the court of public opinion as well. So the paperwork was filed, we deflected the rumors amongst the corps as best we could, and Hurst was proud enough that he wasn't too inclined towards discussing his suspension either. The incident faded into the background. We had plenty of other things to worry ourselves over, and we moved on. They sighed. Or so we thought. Piet grimaced in sympathy. A suspension may be an unpleasant affair and a stain on one's record, if not end one's climb through the ranks in some rare cases, but with a population of 1.2 million aboard the Lady and a fiercely competitive atmosphere amongst her officers. They weren't exactly uncommon, either. Perhaps not everyday happenings, but certainly not rare, either, and always preferable to an execution. To hear that Hurst had managed to get himself suspended by someone who was likely the single most agreeable person on the lady did not paint a favorable portrait of him, to say the least, and Piet was beginning to wonder what in the world the man had had to do for Lara to decide to snap. When was this? he asked. There hadn't been any reports these last couple of months, so that meant... About three and a half months ago, sir, Lavon answered promptly. Hurst's suspension was lifted after two weeks, and he resumed his duties up until... up until now. So there would have been plenty of time for a plan to form. Right here, under all their noses. Piet nodded absently as they approached the entrance gates of the detention center. He was likely far from the right state of mind to face this man in a calm and unbiased manner... But until Lord Vader arrived to carry out the interrogation in full, there was time being wasted that could be spent either getting information out of Hurst or putting the fear of the Empire into the man so that he'd be easier to crack under Lord Vader. The troopers manning the detention center saluted sharply as they approached and were already moving by the time Piet had snapped off his own salute, clearly working on the correct presumption that they were here for one prisoner and one prisoner only. He's in interrogation cell 38R, sir, one of the troopers volunteered as they dropped their own salute. Cuffed and all. I'd say he's had some decent time to think on his situation. Piet nodded his thanks to the trooper, but didn't break his stride except to instruct Livon to wait in the entrance hallway. Time was of the essence here, and he wasn't about to wait a single second. Navigating the twisting and unintuitive corridors of the detention facility, he wondered idly whether the man had enough of a spine to resist selling out his co-conspirators until after Lord Vader had arrived, or if he'd crack before then. Fear of the unknown could be a powerful motivator, after all. Coming to a halt in front of the interrogation cell in question, he was pleased to note that the troopers stationed here had taken no chances in regards to security, and had a full squad standing guard in the hallway. The door to cell 38R slid open, and Piet stepped inside. Inside, the lights were on the verge of headache-inducing bright, but angled away from the interrogator's position through subtle architectural tricks. The room was colder than was strictly comfortable, and the whole place was designed to inspire a subtle but suitable air of menace and powerlessness. 
In the midst of the room was a plain, polished Durasteel table that was welded to the floor, the only odd feature being the cuffs built into the tabletop that allowed someone just enough mobility to comfortably stand up, but not much else. Currently, they were restraining the sole target of Piat's ire, Rodolphus Hurst. Distantly, he registered the two troopers taking up position in the corners behind him, but Piet never took his eyes off of the man who was part of the cause for so much suffering aboard his ship. Colorless dark hair and an overall plain appearance, the man was as nondescript as his apparent performance had been as an engineer, the only exception being the remarkably ugly stain that was both his suspension and a disdainful sneer, worsened by the messy scab running the side of his temple, which he estimated was the result of the full-on tackle the Vaudet had apparently laid down on the man. So, the man sneered, and Piet immediately decided to dislike him on the fact that he seemed to speak through his teeth alone. The black bastard from hell had decided to send his mutt to handle this. Why am I not surprised? Narrowing his eyes at the man and feeling the rage boiling away in his blood, Piet was ever so glad that this man had already been caught committing a crime red-handed as he was far from certain he would be able to keep himself from planting a fist somewhere soft and painful. Lord Vader is en route as we speak, and will arrive to interrogate you shortly, he informed the man in a clipped and faux-polite tone, his rage slightly quenched when he saw visible fear enter the man's eyes, even as he kept up his bravado. I'm merely here to see if you won't render his visit a short one, and explain to me why, in the name of the Empire, you thought it a wise idea to sabotage and he really couldn't help how he hissed that word either, head engineer Lars's workshop. This man, this man, had decided that Lars deserved to die, and he was willing to carry out the act, no matter who had urged him to it. Why? Hurt scoffed loudly and leaned back in his chair. Don't pretend like you care about the brat, Captain, he spat. There's no favor from Lord Vader you can gain here. Be a man about it. And at least be honest as to why you're doing this. Glaring at the man he wasn't even sure deserved that designation, Piet barely refrained from grinding his teeth. I am, he retorted icily. I want to know what makes you think an innocent young man was an appropriate target for a murder attempt. Or was it an assassination? I noticed that you did not deny staging the sabotage. Hurst's eyes widened and he hissed a curse under his breath. Know your place, you backwater degenerate he growled at Piet. I do not need to talk to you, and I know my rights. He jerked his chin up defiantly and glared at Piet down his nose in a move that he had long since become desensitized to. Why all aristocrats thought it would be an effective move to look at someone like they were dirt on their shoes, he had no idea. Certainly, he agreed mildly, not so much as twitching in his stance. Though I would like to note that, although you most certainly do not have to talk to me, you will talk to Lord Vader. He let his mouth twitch up into a cold smile, one way or the other. Something shook in Hurst's posture, flashing across his face, and Piet thought distantly that this was likely what people meant by smelling blood in the water. Hurst had shown the cracks in his armor, a deep-seated fear of Lord Vader that was eating away at him even as he attempted to display himself as utterly unconcerned with the situation. Perfect. He could use that. He has no right, Hurst threw back with a desperation edging in. When word reaches home, if, Piet corrected idly, if word reaches your home, Mr. Hurst. That's Engineer Hurst to you, Captain, Hurst rebuked, scowling darkly. I will be addressed by my proper rank. 
Piet narrowed his eyes even further, but inclined his head eventually. Very well, he agreed, not even bothering to disguise the disgust in his tone. Engineer, Hurst, I take it that, if you are insisting on formally applicable designations, you wish to be treated as if you were not living on borrowed time as well? Perhaps not the wisest thing to say if he was aiming for information, but he was not the true interrogator. He simply had to unsettle Hurst to the point that Lord Vader would be able to crack open his psyche with minimal effort, something that he was rather successful in when for a moment, just a moment, there was nothing but realization and fear on Hurst's face. He quickly covered it up again, but Piet knew, he knew now the buttons to push. He likely wouldn't even have to lie. He has no right, Hurst repeated, desperation now truly setting in. He'll be in for a whole world of pain once word reaches home if he does, and none of the families will stand for seeing one of their best executed, he asserted with such stunning confidence that Piet nearly laughed. Lord Vader, he asked, not even having to fake a small amused smirk. Heir to the Empire, the Emperor's fist, and the scourge of its enemies, he will be in for a world of hurt. I don't think you understand that there is something of a discrepancy in power and prominence between the two of you. Dear Force, if it wasn't for the act Hurst had committed, he doubted Lord Vader even would have heard of the man. Unlike Lars, he certainly hadn't done anything worthwhile to be noted for. Smoke and mirrors, Hurst dismissed easily, and for a moment Piet honestly couldn't tell if the man truly believed that or not. He would be nothing without the competence of his underlings propping him up. Nothing at all. Besides, he was hurt enough when that brat almost bit it, I'm sure. Piet hummed low in his throat. Considering what he had seen of Lord Vader's reaction when Lars had gotten injured, he begrudgingly ceded Hurst a point. However, he personally thought that, much like a wild beast, it was foolish at best and suicidal at worst to think that an injury, whether it be physical or, or emotional, would be a wise idea to inflict. Especially since it seemed clear that Lord Vader had a very strong sense of vengeance, that had only gone unnoticed up until now because he had no reason to utilize it. Not so now. Perhaps, he conceded begrudgingly and took vicious pleasure in tearing the smug smirk on Hurst's face with his next sentence. However, I fail to see how that in any way would benefit you, Engineer Hurst, since pain seems to be an agitator to Lord Vader, rather than any form of deterrent. Hurst's throat worked heavily as he swallowed, and Piet steadily met the man's gaze as the ex-engineer tried to stare him down. This man, if not the saboteur himself, had at the very least attempted to allow the true culprit to get away with a heinous crime, which meant, if nothing else, that he endorsed the attempted assassination of Lars, or perhaps even knew their identity. He doubted they would be two separate people, though. Hurst's identity and rank as an engineer with a grudge towards Lars worked too perfectly with what they knew of the workshop security systems to be a coincidence. All right, Hurst managed to get out at last, with Piet making no attempts to make it any easier on the man, even as he had to admit that the man had managed to get his tone steadier than expected. Let's say for the sake of argument that I did compromise a few of the printer systems. If so, so what? The brat has lived far past his expiration date, anyway. Expiration date? Piet questioned sharply. Was he implying what he thought he was implying? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about, Captain, Hurst snapped back. No one ought to survive that long. 
That close in proximity to Lord Vader that often. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. So what if the brat had died? He was long overdue, and it would have stopped the stagnation of the rotation of offices so that the proper people could finally get their chance. Piet blinked. What in the name of the whole fucking empire had he just heard? Repeat that, please, he said. Somehow keeping his voice pleasant, Devanassi could hear the troopers shift dangerously behind him, and he didn't have to look to know that they were ready and willing to jump on this man and to a repeat performance of the tackle that had gotten Hurst apprehended. Repeat that, word for word. Because I do believe I didn't understand you the first time, engineer. Hurst glared at him, even as he sometimes glanced off to the troopers stationed behind Piet, and he knew what kind of picture they must be making right now. Still, the man either found his courage or his stupidity, and proceeded with his statement. Don't act like you're above it all and don't know what I'm talking about, Captain, he hissed. You heard the rumors true, didn't you? The one ship in the Navy where promotions were fast, and often for the right kind of officers, and where the wrong kind didn't last long. He gave Piet a scornful once-over and sneered in disgust. I don't know how you managed to cheat the system, but you'll face your own expiration date sooner rather than later. Lord Vader may be nothing without the competent under him, but at least he's useful in that respect. Hurst fell silent for a beat and then amended. Most of the time? It seemed the brat needed some helping along in this case for some reason. He had heard it right. He, for whatever reason, had heard those words come out of Hurst's mouth. He believed Lars deserved to die because he had managed not to incur Lord Vader's wrath, and that was... that was... who in the name of the Force? So let me get this perfectly straight, Engineer Hurst, he said. His voice as pleasant as he could manage, but likely still revealing his mildly unhinged feelings. Your reasoning for why Lars deserved to die was because he managed to earn and keep an officer ranking aboard the lady and build a rapport with Lord Vader instead of getting executed for his failure. Lars. Look, Lars, eighteen years old, signed on as soon as he had reached majority by Lord Vader himself, bright and clever and kind and joyful. And this man, this dreg of society, believed. Hurst snarled. It wasn't his to take, he shouted. What right did he, a no-name nobody with less understanding of proper culture and norms than your average house tuker? have to take the position as head engineer aboard the flagship of the Empire. What right did that interloper bastard have? And what wrong is there in removing him? That was as far as he got, and it took Pieta seconds to realize that he had moved at all, and that there was a considerable shock of pressure in his right arm as a balled-up fist connected with Hurst's nose, breaking it with a sharp snap. Hurst started shrieking in pain a split second later, and Piet found himself being lightly restrained and pulled away from the man one second after that. He wasn't exactly aware of his surroundings, seeing as blood was pounding in his ears and there was a red haze over everything. But he was pretty sure he was being lightly restrained, as they were quite obviously not trying their hardest to pull him off of the man, and working himself free was a matter of merely shaking them off. Grabbing Hurst by the lapels and getting right up in his face, 
Piet hissed like something venomous and dangerous as the smell of iron filled his nose, blood dripping onto the cuffs of his jacket. Now listen here and listen closely, he said lowly, cold fire pumping through his veins with every beat of a too-fast heart that was drumming to the beat of something that whispered to protect. You got caught attempting to destroy evidence, red-handed engineer Hurst, he hissed, spitting the title like a curse, poison on his tongue and taboo in the air. And some of your most vital rights, as both a citizen and employee of the Empire, were effectively dismissed the moment you decided to commit treason by making an enemy out of both Lars and Lord Vader. A decision which, frankly speaking, is so staggeringly, short-sightedly stupid that I am almost at a loss for words. Almost being the key word, he had plenty of things to say to Hurst. He released Hurst and let the man fall back into his chair unceremoniously, blood still dripping from his nose and down his face, his mind calming down again somewhat from the boiling in his veins as he realized what he had done. Sith spit. He allowed his rage to take rein and punched a prisoner. It didn't matter that Hurst had had it coming or that he hardly regretted it. It didn't matter that it would be nothing less than a miracle if the man survived the day. He had still punched a man who couldn't defend himself and was in custody, and that crossed a line. He sighed as he stuffed his rage back down until he could no longer feel it seething just under his skin. Unfortunately, what was done was done, and he was hardly in a position where apologizing would be the wise choice. He needed Hurst to confess, and as much as he despised it, he knew that an apology would be seen as a weakness by the man and would lead him back to defiance instead of compliance. But he would need to control himself better from here on out. Adopting an icy, disdainful demeanor once more, he shook a few drops of blood off his glove and onto the floor with a flick of his hand. "'So allow me to elaborate on your current situation,' he offered coolly. Crossing his arms, he glared down at Hurst with sheer disdain as he mentally compiled the events as if writing a report. You tried to kill a crewmate, with a despicable act of self-admitted sabotage. I admit to nothing, Hurst countered furiously as he finally found his voice again, sounding even more nasal now that he was clutching his nose, so the Piet would be all too happy to shut down with barely another word. And you cannot make me say otherwise self-admitted, Piet interrupted coolly, on the count that so far no one but five people, among which myself and Lord Vader, knew that the act of sabotage was a compromised printer. He grinned darkly as he saw the realization dawn on Hurst's face. "'You gave yourself away, Mr. Hurst,' he murmured, barely loud enough to be heard. And he could tell that Hurst was straining to do so. "'And you will come to regret such sloppy performance and execution of your treason very, very surely.' The way all blood drained out of Hurst's face was very gratifying indeed the man's pale countenance contrasting vividly with the blood still dripping from his now crooked nose. "'But do allow me to continue illuminating you on your current situation,' he continued conversationally, feeling himself effortlessly slip back into his old persona of when the people sitting across from him were only small-time criminals and pirates. This, at least, he knew how to handle. "'You tried to kill a crewmate in a premeditated murder 
and injured them gravely in the attempt, which, incidentally, also counts as an assassination attempt. You admitted to treason. You tried to destroy evidence of said treason. Now do not misunderstand me, he said icily, tapping his fingers along his arm. You would already be marked a dead man walking if you had attempted and said things with a fresh recruit barely off the shuttle, but you didn't. He straightened up to his full height, which, while far from impressive, were still enough to tower over the seated man. You chose to do all of that with Lord Vader's highest favoured, and the young man who caught the attention of half the Empire at large, amongst whom are both the Emperor and the Grand Moth themselves. You chose the target of a genius, with whole factions, systems, and even the Imperial Court vying for his favour, and a scrap of his intellect who has nonetheless chosen to stay loyal to Lord Vader. You decided to burn yourself on a rising star, the likes of which you couldn't even hope to match. You decided to target Luke Lars. He watched idly as Hurt's pale face turned pasty once the realization set in, and Piet noted that the man apparently did realize who was and wasn't of interest to the head of the Empire and whose side they should choose if retaliation for this action did come from Lord Vader. A surprising development. He hadn't thought the man capable of introspection to that degree, especially through what was likely a not insignificant amount of pain from his broken nose. Ah, well, it wouldn't last much longer. Furthermore, he continued, keeping his tone as light as a conversation on the weather would warrant, even as he attempted to glare a hole through the man's skull. While that was a foolish mistake in and of itself, you also ensured that the one person who could perhaps with a not insignificant expenditure of effort, spare you your approaching fate, is both incapacitated and likely utterly unwilling to stick out his neck for you due to your actions. You chose to make an enemy out of perhaps the second most powerful person on this ship. Piet grinned mirthlessly in a display of teeth. That was a critical mistake, and one he wouldn't be recovering from, Piet knew. Not so long as Lord Vader still breathed in that nightmarish manner. The Dark Lord wouldn't stand for it. And Hurst apparently knew that too, keeping quiet and still in stark contrast to his earlier behavior. How the realization of morality changes people, Piet thought idly. In the end, they all had to face who they truly were, he supposed. And if Hurst's reactions were anything to go by, he could guess that the man was highly underwhelmed by what he found. All his pride and his name and skill set gone in a puff of smoke once the realization hit that in the eyes of the great and powerful he wished to walk amongst, he would never be greater than a brat from the outer rim. It would be pitiable if it weren't for the fact that said pride had spurred him to attempt murder for reasons he now found hollow. He dropped the amicable facade once he saw that the fight had thoroughly been drained out of Hurst, closing in for the kill. So allow me to lay out your options, he hissed icily. You either admit your deeds, confess to how and why you did them, tell us who else was behind this horrific plot, and earn yourself a swift execution or prison sentence as the traitor you are. Or, he said, placing both hands on the table and leaning over them, staring Hurst straight into his pain and despair dulled eyes, you keep up this futile denial and arrogance for the sake of your co-conspirators, who haven't and won't attempt to aid you, and earn yourself a slow and torturous death, 
as Lord Vader works the information out of you anyway. For a moment an ember of rebellion seemed to enter Hurst once more, and he glared at Piet. Don't speak of what you don't know, Captain! I'm the current head of this investigation, acting on Lord Vader's orders, and all relevant information is reported directly to me. Piet threw back ruthlessly, aiming to nip that particular tirade in the bud before he had time to build up steam. Not only has there been no attempt from anyone to free or even contact you, there hasn't so much as been a whisper of support for you. You, Mr. Hurst, stand alone. And whether you believe that or not, fact remains that until your co-conspirators are found, you bear the full brunt of the retaliation for all of your conspiracy's actions. That's not it is, Piet growled, seeing the cracks start to form in the man's resolve. He just needed a bit more before Hurst would either crack or rally, and though this interrogation was frankly barely worth the name with how sloppy he had gone about it, the fact remained that any information Piet could get would be a bonus to Lord Vader's far more skilled tactics. So allow me to reiterate, he continued, preparing for the final push that would either do it or doom it. You committed treason. Even if Lord Vader deigns to let you live, there is no scenario in which you would walk out of the courts alive and a free man. I advise you to stop thinking on the premise of how to escape a traitor's fate and start considering what will allow you the least painful death, or perhaps even merely a prison sentence in return for cooperation, if you are very, very lucky. Hurst stared at the table silently. His eyes fixated on where his hands were shackled to the furniture as blood silently dripped onto the durasteel surface in small droplets, the flow finally beginning to stem. And if, hypothetically speaking, Captain... He spoke quietly, all earlier fight and fury run out. I wished to stay loyal to the bitter end, and died to fight. Then I'd say you should have chosen your loyalties wiser, Mr. Hurst, Piet retorted coolly, and thought of whom you know has ever been successful in defying Lord Vader. There was no one that Piet knew of, no one but perhaps one, and he wouldn't be defending Hurst any time soon. Hurst nodded silently and folded his hands as he turned a pensive look back on the table, Piet lapsing into silence himself, unwilling to potentially push the man away from a surrender instead of closer. One, two, three moments ticked by, and once Piet thought that perhaps Hurst wouldn't see anything at all anymore, a sharp buzz sounded from the corner to his right a quick glance revealing the stormtrooper checking the common question that had just gone off. "'I'm sorry, sir,' Chris said evenly. "'But you'll have to cut this short. Lord Vader has arrived.' "'Ah, perfect timing as usual.' Piet nodded with a grim smile and jerked his head towards the door in a subtle gesture for the troopers to leave. The doors hissed open without any further input, and for one heart-stopping moment— Piet thought they would be joined by Lord Vader before remembering the wardens who would have been watching this whole exchange over the cameras. Striding over towards the door, Piet would have walked out without hesitation if not for the sudden call of, Captain. Glancing back while still standing in the door opening, Piet met Hurst's eyes one last time, and he doubted there would even be another. The man seemed to stumble over his own words for a moment, conflict clear in his face before he sighed. Claude Rotz he finally said. He, he was in on it, too, and knows more than I do. Was, he only approached me a few days ago, 
on behalf of someone else and promise that I, I will be given protection if I went through with it. I have my suspicions on who that someone was, but rots, rots were not for sure. A million unspoken statements went unsaid in that moment. Unsaid, but not unheard. Piet regarded the man coolly and nodded once. I will inform Lord Vader of your cooperation, he offered in return. And I suggest that if you have any faith you follow, you make your peace with it in the next couple of moments. Farewell, Mr. Hurst. With that, he strode out of the interrogation cell, fully aware that he was likely the last person who would see Hurst alive, and not caring in the slightest. The man may have found himself in a hopeless situation that would have been almost painful, but Piet couldn't forget the sight of a bruised and burnt youth being laid out on a stretcher. If Hurst met his end here, it was no more than he had planned for Lars. Still, the man had cooperated in the end for whatever reasoning he had found within himself, and they now had a name. Claude Rotz. A name that was familiar to him, unfortunately enough. A naval commander aboard the lady, the man was of old blood and older money, and made sure everyone knew it, too. Appointed to his position in the usual fashion of the Navy instead of Lord Vader's more extreme and yet more meritocratic methods, the man was a pain to work with and respected Piet's rank as captain with about the same casual disgust as one would have for a perishable that had been left out of the freezer for too long. Somehow it was neither a surprise nor a disappointment that Rotz was apparently wrapped up in this conspiracy. Sighing deeply, Piet set a quick pace through the maze of halls that was the detention center. It seemed that he had another stop to make before this day was over, one for which he had a feeling he might want to take more than two troopers just to be safe. Steps echoing through the halls, Piet hardly heard the distinctive sound drifting his way until he was nearly upon the exit already, the sound of a cycling respirator. The wardens had apparently been utterly literal when they had said Lord Vader was here. Ordering his minds to give the report that likely would be expected of him, Piet stepped into the entrance hall of the detention center and approached the black specter waiting for him there with as much confidence as he could muster. My lord, he said as he saluted his commander sharply. Captain Piet, the man returned with a nod, Volcoda rumbling with something dangerous. I assume that by the bloodstains on your uniform, you just came from the suspect's cell. He couldn't stop his eyes from widening slightly as he remembered the bloodstains marking both his gloves and cuffs from when he had allowed his emotions to overcome him and attacked Hurst. Cursing internally as his adrenaline levels skyrocketed, he endeavored to keep his face blank of any further expressions. As you say, my lord, he admitted evenly, volunteering no further information while Lord Vader made his judgment. And you are aware, Captain? Vader rumbled lowly, a hint of irritation leaking through that sent shivers down Piet's spine, that the application of pain is highly inefficient and makes for unreliable information. I am, my lord, he admitted as steadily as he could, heart pounding like a drum. It was the result of an unintentional emotional reflex on my part to the culprit's words and a transgression that I regret. It resulted in a bloody nose and... I'm sure that I did not lose control again. I apologize. Lord Vader held Piet's gaze, and for a moment, it felt like he was on display as a vivisected specimen in a particularly cruel laboratory. 
Then the moment passed, and Vader nodded as he turned his gaze back to the hallway as Piet had just left, the world realigning itself, even though he noticed a muffled quality to it. You were not in the right frame of mind to be confronting the culprit. Lord Vader stated matter-of-factly, even as Piet felt something inside him jerk with that statement. Lord Vader knew. He knew like he always knew, and yet it never got any less eerie. So why did you, Captain? He swallowed heavily. Honesty. What he needed now was honesty. Nothing else would be accepted by his lordship. I felt the responsibility to take this, my lord, he answered. Keep his voice steady. Steady enough to hide the fear edging in. To scout the waters, as it were, and I... I didn't want to leave anything to chance. Not if it could help to solve this case. Time is of the essence, and I hoped to either crack the culprit's defenses or extract some preliminary information to continue the investigation while you proceeded with the proper interrogation, my lord. And were you successful? Came the immediate follow-up question, which had Piet sighing with relief internally. At the very least, his screw-up hadn't cost him any results. I was, my lord, he answered. Steady, always steady. There was no place for pride here, not yet. Hurst has named Claude Rotz as a co-conspirator and claimed that there are more members of this conspiracy yet. He has agreed to cooperate with the hope of lessening his punishment to either a prison sentence or something swift and painless. He finished. I'm willing to say the word execution when he was still revealing the details of his own blunder. He confessed to being the culprit then, Lord Vader rumbled, and Piat could practically feel his lordship's irritation with him shift into fury with Hurst. Yes, my lord, he confirmed quickly. He knew details of the sabotage, and no one but those present during the initial discovery and yourself knew, like the method by which the explosion occurred. His motivation was apparently a grudge against Lars for both suspending him for gross insubordination and for, from his point of view, stealing the position of head engineer from him. His views apparently got him recruited by the conspiracy to actually carry out the sabotage. He was brought into the fold only a few days ago by Commander Rotz. Static rumbled out of the vocoder like thunder. I see, the Black Spectre nearly growled. Very well, Captain. I will concede that your preliminary interrogation bore fruit despite your mistake. Lord Vader acknowledged with a dip of his head, and Piet nearly felt light-headed with relief for a moment before he collected himself. Thank you, my lord, he said as sincerely as he could. Lord Vader waved off his gratitude, and Piet knew that it was the signal to begin refocusing on the mission. You did not compromise your objective, but do not repeat your mistake, was the warning he got. And considering what usually happens to people who made mistakes of this caliber under Lord Vader, that counted as downright permissive. I won't, my lord, he agreed. And just like that, he knew that he was, if not forgiven as far as Lord Vader could forgive, at least no longer on the hook for his mistake as long as he didn't repeat it. And while the rush of relief was pleasant, the adrenaline draining away left him feeling more exhausted than anything. Lord Vader made a low sound as he tilted his head to the side for a moment, regarding Piet from what seems to be the corners of his eye. As for the investigation, I take it you will be taking Commander Rotz into custody. As soon as I have recruited a few more troopers to aid me in the task, my lord, he agreed easily. That had his towering commander turn his attention fully back to him. You expect a fight, Captain? he asked. And Piet couldn't quite decipher the tone that laid underneath that statement. Not exactly, my lord, 
hit minute, but I do not believe this will be as easy as it seems. An intuition, if you will. The Dark Lord was silent for a moment before nodding his assent. Yes, I believe you are right, Captain. Very well. I met a patrol of troopers in the A6 near the starboard barracks on my way here. Judging by their route, they should still be in the area. You will be able to recruit from them, the man informed him, and Piat saluted gratefully. Thank you, my lord, he said, mentally mapping the shortest route to the barracks in question. A ten-minute walk, if he wasn't mistaken, and directly on the way to the officer quarters where Rot should currently be thanks to the curfew. A more efficient route would be a rare find indeed. Lord Vader turned away from him, and his attention back to the hallway that led to the cell where Hurst had now to be sweating bullets. Then I believe you have your orders, Captain. And I have mine, the Dark Lord rumbled lowly. If it is pertinent to your investigation, I will inform you of any information I may extract. Until then, dismissed. With that final order, the Black Spectre strode into the hallway, the troopers respectfully backing out of his lordship's way as he disappeared into the maze of the detention facility, and somehow Piet knew that he would indeed be the last man to see Hurst alive. With the fact of the man's misdeeds, he found it hard for that to be a pity. He sighed as he watched the man go. Well, he had made a mistake, and survived reporting it to Lord Vader with barely a slap on the wrist, so there must still be something or someone looking out for him. Granted, his mistake hadn't, in the end, made much of an impact on the end results he'd managed to produce, but being inefficient, and worst of all, lax in one's methods, was as surefire a manner as any to end up gasping for a breath that would never come. And yet his lordship had almost seemed understanding in his dismissal of Piet's slip-up, and more than anything spoke to how long this day had already been if he was starting to think that. Well, the day wasn't over yet, and he still had troopers to recruit, a commander to arrest, and possibly a second interrogation to oversee. Joy all around. That certainly seemed like it went well, sir. A voice sounded from behind him, and Piet's shoulders slumped slightly in relief as he turned to face Livon. The engineer was eyeing both the hallway and him in concern as they walked up to him, and for once Piet was in complete agreement. "'You could say that again, Livon,' he said tiredly, breathing out as he took two seconds to process what had just happened. Thankfully his lordship had another target for his ire in mind that was more pressing than I was.' Livon shot him a look that clearly stated their doubt on that, and if it weren't for the fact that Piet himself wasn't entirely sure of what had just occurred, he would be offended. "'With all possible due respect, sir,' Livon retorted quietly, and Piet thought that nothing good had ever come from that phrase for those it had been directed at. "'You looked like you were about to genuinely pass out for a moment there, and you have blood on your clothes that wasn't there a moment ago. What did you do?' Piet sighed as he made a mental note to change his uniform at some point. It was getting horribly stained with all it had had to endure this day. Soot, grease, and now blood. He was starting to look worse than Lars did when the young man crawled out of one vent or another. I allowed myself to be provoked by Hurst, he admitted to the man, mindful of any other listening ears. He said some incredibly callous things concerning Lars. He means he nearly cold-cocked Hurst in one punch, Rocco supplied helpfully as she took position up at his side. Grace agreed as he took the other. Didn't even allow us to hold him off. He just yanked himself free and hauled Hurst up by the front of his uniform. It was one hell of a show. Rocco reminisced happily, her head tilted back in a manner that suggested she was recalling the memory underneath her helmet. 
Grace made a sudden noise and smacked her urgently on the upper arm. There's cameras in that cell, yeah? Think we could get the security footage of that? He asked. Rocco tilted her head and nodded before Piet could even begin to protest that idea. Probably. Fornal still has me a favor. There will be no such actions or requests of any kind, he hissed at both troopers, already feeling the headache that would come on if that footage ever did a circulation of the lady. Grace and Rocco both promptly saluted as they snapped to attention. Sir, yes, sir, they chorused, and Piet got the feeling that his orders were going to be roundly ignored at the earliest convenience. Fantastic. Could this day get any— And he was not finishing that thought. Not in a million years. Rubbing a hand over his brow, he glared up over his fingers as he heard Livon stifle a laugh at his expense. He needed a drink three hours ago. Now he just needed a bottle, preferably of something strong enough to clean wounds with. Right, he sighed as he straightened up as best as he could and glared at the two troopers standing a head's height over him. I don't particularly care what you do. Just be subtle about it and ensure that I never so much as catch a glimpse of whatever you plan to do, understood? I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it even exists. The two troopers glared at each other and seemed to be holding some kind of telepathic conversation with each other, like siblings were wont to do, before nodding in perfect synchronicity. Yes, sir. He was going to regret saying that, he could already tell. That he currently had a commander to arrest, while his commander was likely strangling a man to death as they were speaking, and really, he didn't have the time or emotional investment to prevent a pair of stormtroopers from illegally acquiring security footage for entertainment purposes. He could let this one go. It'd be fine. Well, no, it wouldn't be, but it wouldn't kill him, and really, that's all he was asking for at this point. Putting the thought of whenever the two troopers might want footage of him punching Hurstfor out of mind, he refocused on the tasks at hand, recruit additional troopers, arrest Durant's. Then maybe, finally, catch a break. Maybe. It wasn't looking particularly likely, but a man had to dream. All right, he said remembering his own mental route that they would need to take to retrace Lord Vader's steps and find those troopers. Putting aside the flagrant insubordination that I frankly cannot be bothered to deal with at the moment, we need to get to the A6, Lavon, he addressed the engineer while barely restraining himself from massaging his temples to work away an upcoming headache. Are you joining us once more? Lavon, for their part, thought on it for a moment before shaking their head. No, sir, I'm afraid I can't. I could excuse my earlier accompaniment as providing you with information on Hurst, but frankly speaking, the engineering corps is still swamped with work to complete, and as the one coordinating the efforts of repairing everything, I can't be absent for very long. A line of reasoning that Piet could appreciate, if nothing else. Very well, then, Engineer Lavon, he permitted, with the barest of smiles. It was a pleasure to work with you. They huffed out a laugh and dipped their head as they smiled. The sentiment is mutual, Captain. Now please, if you would excuse me. But of course, he agreed easily, you are dismissed, Engineer Lavon. With that and the barest of smiles, the man made their way out of the detention center, back to their own realm of barely organized chaos. Piet grimaced in sympathy as he thought of his own tasks ahead, the things they did for the Empire. Heaving out a ragged sigh, he turned back to the conspiring troopers, who he knew were going to be headache number 16 and 17 respectively in a couple of days, and made his best attempt at appearing presentable despite the fact that he likely looked like he'd been run through a ringer. Right, he ordered. Trooper Grace, Trooper Rocco with me. I believe we have your Verde to find and a commander to arrest, which would be headache 13, 14, and 15 all on its own with the manner in which his day was developing, but it was a task that would need handling regardless. 
The troopers, hopefully sensing his exhaustion after the day he had had, merely saluted without any further clever remarks and fell in line as he made his way out of the detention center and passed through the various checkpoints that marked the entrance and exit of the single most secure holding facility in existence that was on a dedicated prison planet side. Grateful for the fact that the troopers weren't far out of the way out of his route, and that he wouldn't have to go looking for them while traversing the length and breadth of the ship again, Piet hardly remembered that small talk was a thing that existed, or that the troopers who accompanied him were prone to it until Rocco cleared her throat. So, sir, she began, continuing on immediately after Piet had made an affirmatory sound. This commander, who the hell is he? And what do you think is going on that these assholes are now crawling out of the woodwork like particularly ugly woodworms? Piet sighed as he recalled his own interactions with the man. I'm uncertain if I'm the proper person to inform you of Commander Rox's personality, Tripper Rocco, seeing as my opinion on him is rather biased against his favor, he admitted. But if you want to know anyway, I'll try my best to inform you of who we'll be confronting. Grace snorted loudly, even as a clanking sound and a muffled grunt of pain told him that Rocco had attempted to silence him before he could do so. With all due respect, sir, the man told him sincerely, if you have trouble respecting him, I doubt our opinion will fare much better. Very well, he conceded, even as he had little idea of whatever that meant. Then I will try to explain to the best of my abilities. Commander Rotz comes from an old, wealthy family, old enough that no one can exactly trace their lineage anymore, as its oldest records are no longer compatible with any form of technology, and the interfacing software has been lost over the millennia. I know this, he explained flatly, because the man quite literally will not stop bringing it up. That startled a laugh out of the troopers, and he didn't look so closely as to why it was such a satisfying feeling to hear Grace poorly attempt to stifle a laugh under his helmet, or Rocco barely hold in a snort. Furthermore, he continued, he has little respect for anyone not of a similarly old bloodline or wealth, and that includes his immediate superiors, which includes myself, unfortunately, he griped, feeling all the old irritation at how, despite his near-perfect record of performance, he still wouldn't be granted even the barest modicum of respect by Rots or any of his ilk because his bloodline hailed from the Outer Rim and didn't have enough wealth to buy a moon with associated with it. So he's an arsehole, Rocco summed up succinctly. Piet glanced back at her over his shoulder and let the corner of his mouth quirk up minutely. If that is your judgment of his character, then yes, I suppose he is, he agreed, deflecting responsibility of the conclusion away from him for the sake of plausible deniability. He couldn't very well be caught calling a subordinate officer an asshole, as Trooper Rocco had so accurately put it. Something she seems to realize as well as she inclined her helmet at him. Duty nodded, sir. He inclined his head back minutely and turned his gaze back up front as he resumed dredging up what information he could remember of the man. He performs admirably in textbook situations and combat encounters, he continued, recalling his own assessment reports of the man's performance. But his composure falls apart the moment he is faced with any kind of unorthodox or subversive situation. He will still follow orders well enough, however. Sir, if ever is spearheading this conspiracy, saw it fit to instruct him in contingencies in the event of discovery, he might still prove to be a problem unless subdued. Which would be unfortunate, since Piet could honestly do with less of those in his daily schedule. Or at the very least with more of them that could be solved in a more direct manner than this cloak-and-dagger game of death and deception that they had unexpectedly found themselves in. Turning the corner of the hallways into the intersection leading on to the A6, Piet thought that at the very least they seemed to be making decent progress for the first day of investigating. They had discovered two inns into the conspiracy already, and while most of that progress could be attributed to the apparent stupidity of the members, 
who returns to their own crime scene, especially in an attempt to steal evidence within the first 24 hours, than any real skill on their part. It was still a good sign that they would be able to clean up this mess before any significant impact from the lockdown ensued, and to foil a traitor's plan as well. A traitor who was disturbingly well-connected aboard the lady if the two relatively high-ranking officers were anything to go by. Usually, when a spy was uncovered, it was within the first few days of them being aboard, Lord Vader having proven himself to have an utterly terrifying sixth sense that could tell who was and wasn't a true member of the crew. But this, these were actual, certified officers within the Imperial Armed Forces, at least one of whom came from a bloodline of traditional military service. These weren't people who usually fit the bill for a traitor, and it painted a picture with worrying implication as to what was potentially going on here. Either they were all of the same motivation as Hearst, in which case they painted a picture that cast the servants of the Empire in an especially horrific and utterly petty light, or, or they were the puppets of something larger, and much more sinister. Piet honestly didn't know which he preferred it to be. He honestly didn't. Perhaps it was a blessing, then, that he didn't have to know, as the chips would fall the way they did regardless of his preferences. His only task was to make sure they could fall unimpeded and that they were, regardless of it all, tallied when they all hit the ground. To that end, he needed a few more men to ensure that this chip would fall just as the others, and not slip through the cracks. Thankfully, when he turned up into the A6 with Grace and Rocco at his back, he very nearly bumped into said men, a full squad of troopers marching down the oddly empty stretch of highway that ran through the starboard side of the lady like an artery, a particularly low-pressure one at the moment, perhaps, but if there was any luck with these men, that would resolve itself soon enough. Gleaming white armor that spoke of their own allegiance to Lars, they were not likely going to be turning away this request, even if they strictly could. Troopers, he called out to the marching men. A word, if you would. The rear guard of the group turned around to face Piet, and upon seeing his rank, gestured for their fellows to stop too. The leader of the group, a lieutenant, made his way to the forefront to greet Piet with a salute. Captain Piet, he acknowledged. What do you need our aid for? I have an objective to arrest one Commander Rotz, he answered, cutting directly to the chase. I fear the confrontation will be far from smooth, however, and we need the commander alive for questioning. I ask if you can spare two of your men for this task, he requested in a tone that left no interpretation of how much this was actually a request. Thankfully, the lieutenant seemed to get the message and jerked his head to the side at two of the troopers. Mitch, Majesty, join the good captain and make sure the perp doesn't slip. Majesty, you know the route. Make sure that Mitch doesn't end up in the brig again on the way back. Oh, well, that sounded lovely. Now we'd at least know where headache number 18 would be coming from. Sure thing, sir. A deep voice answered from under the trooper helmet designated as Majesty. Come on, troublemaker, he said as he shoved at Mitch's shoulder. Let's go. Then he turns to Piet and nodded towards Rocco. I see you already met her, sir, he nodded easily. So let me spare you the hassle and tell you the same rules apply to me as they do to her. He, she, explained. Mentally making a note, he offered a small smile to the woman. Understood, trooper he acknowledged with a dip of his hand before glancing at Mitch. And you, Trooper Mitch? Nah, Mitch waved off easily. Just the usual genetic template for me. A clone, then, and male. Understood. Then let us depart, he ordered, directing his focus to both the troopers. Trooper Grace and Rocco can fill the two of you in on the general situation, but our mission is to apprehend one of the traitors behind the sabotage aboard the Lady. One Commander Rotz, to be specific, and we are en route to his quarters as we are speaking. The two newest additions to his small squad saluted at once, and immediately fell in line behind the two other troopers, their Vode turning to quietly explain what little info they had. Piet, meanwhile, turned back to face the lieutenant and nodded sharply in gratitude. Thank you, lieutenant, he offered sincerely, 
We won't hold up your squad any longer. It was no trouble, Captain. The lieutenant dismissed as he saluted them. And good luck finding the one responsible for the cowardly attack on our armorer. With that, they made a few quick hand gestures to their squad, and the troopers continued their roaming patrol, two members fewer. Which left Piet and a group of four troopers to apprehend the traitorous commander. He sighed and turned back to what was shaping up to be his own squad. On our way then, he told them as he hoped that this would be overkill for the arrest, even as his intuition warned them of something off. With the curfew in effect and our target a part of the day cycle shift, he should be in his quarters in the starboard officer's wing. And remember, he said sternly, giving every trooper a flinty look, we need him alive, for now at least. Yes, sir, they chorused and Piet hoped that the order would be enough to bring this to a satisfactory end. With a final look at his squad, he spun around on his heel and veered sharply into one of the off-branching corridors of the A-6. They would need to rise several levels and get to the A-3 and take a railcar to get to the starboard officer's wing, which was, as all commissioned officers' quarters who didn't belong to one of the many corps of the Navy, located relatively close to the bridge. Piet's own quarters were in the portside officer's wing that mirrored its starboard sister. He rarely had a reason to visit the starboard wing, beyond the usual checkup and a visit or two to his acquaintance's house there, and he found it rather a pity that one of those visits had to be on such a grim occasion. However, turning the corner into the local elevator station and giving their designation to the trooper's station there, Piet couldn't help but think that of all the things he would be called there to do, delivering a man to what would undoubtedly be his death was likely one of the most extreme circumstances he could think of. Stepping out of the elevator and into the rail station, the rest of the journey proceeded in near silence with Piet gathering his thoughts while the troopers quietly talked amongst themselves in the musical tones of Mandawa. Hurst might still be in interrogation at this point, but he would hardly be surprised to learn that the man was no more, either. Lord Vader, when his eye was roused, made short work of anyone foolish enough to cross his path or deny him his goals. And now they had found another who had played the fool and lost the gamble, and Piet was tasked with delivering him right to his death. It was hardly a new situation for him. Pirate hunting didn't leave much to interpret about what the eventual fates of some of his worst captives had been, but he found it wise to make a habit out of taking a moment to remember the sentience of his opponents and those he was tasked with apprehending, regardless of their crimes or even the horror of their deeds. Hurst had been an engineer aboard the Lady, and up until recently had served well enough. Rotz was his colleague and co-worker, and, despite both men's elitism and repugnant personalities, he didn't doubt they were human. He remembered their sentience as people. And he also remembered that, in spite of it, they had still chosen to commit a horrific act against an innocent young man for the grand crime of being good at his job while being from the Outer Rim, for being favored, for being more than they could ever be. They had chosen to mutilate a young man for life, out of simple jealousy and an inability to reconcile his success with their narrow worldviews. They had chosen this not out of some abstract evil, but out of simple, everyday, petty human trifles and he remembered that the greatest monsters were a lot more like him than he would comfortably like them to be. An odd habit, perhaps, but one that kept him on the straight and narrow while having to effectively govern thousands of lives each day. He was the captain of the lady, and first and foremost that meant that he was responsible for all those lives, and by all the many gods of the galaxy that he did and didn't believe in, he would be damned before he ever lost sight of that fact. Even now, when he was tasked with delivering one of those lives to its doom, he had to remember that he was responsible to ensure that they wouldn't hurt anyone again, and responsible to ensure that it happened as fairly and humanely as possible until... until the end. The railcar groaned as it came to a halt, pulling into the station that would lead them to the officer's wing. 
Disembarking onto the platform with his small squad of troopers in tow, Piet wondered how this would all go down. Through the station lobby into the A3 and down one of the many side passageways, Piet still couldn't shake the gut feeling that there was something wrong with all this. A feeling that persisted all the way until they entered the officer's wing and Piet walked up to the receptionist. Excuse me, miss, he said politely as they called the woman's attention towards him and away from the computer terminal where she seemed to have been fielding reports. Could you point us towards Commander Rotz's quarters? The woman eyed him and the four troopers hovering ominously behind him with a raised eyebrow, but offered no comment as she pulled up the residence list and began browsing the numbers. Third deck, second hallway to your left, she eventually rattled off, giving Piet a bored look. You want to knock on door 311, sir. And please, whatever you plan on doing, don't leave a mess for the janitorial staff to clean up. We'll get enough of the morgue as it is. Not knowing in the slightest how to respond to that, Piet merely opted for a polite nod and a quiet, Of course, miss, as he processed the implication she was making. Perhaps apathy really was a requirement for working the front desk as rumored. If you need anything else, sir, she asked monotonously, her face perfectly conveying that it absolutely wouldn't be welcome, and Piet was thankful he didn't actually need anything else. No, miss, thank you, he answered, and blinked as the receptionist's eyes had already turned back to the computer screen before he even finished talking. Well, that was as clear a dismissal as any. Ignoring the snorts of some of the clones, Piet turned his head over his shoulder and jerked his head towards the internal elevators of the officer's wing. Fitting four fully armored troopers into an elevator meant for officers in simple cloth uniforms was interesting, but with a bit of shuffling, they all managed to fit in and proceed to the third deck. The elevator dinged, the door slid open, and with a final breath, Piet stepped out and walked down the hallway towards the second corridor on the left, his rapid footsteps muffled by the carpeting on the floor. One of the troopers whistled lowly as they followed. Damn, sir, Mitch muttered. You officers have it plus here. I wouldn't mind. Focus, Mitch, Majesty interrupted sternly. Remember what happened last time. Yeah, yeah, Mitch dismissed casually. But you got it, Quiet, Rocco snapped, to the gratitude of Piet as they came to a halt in front of the door they were looking for. We're here. Piet glanced back and nodded in agreement. On your guard, he instructed lowly before turning back to the door, hearing the troopers straighten up behind him and ready their weapons. Letting out a light breath, he pressed the intercom and buzzer at the side of the door. Commander Rotz, he called. This is Captain Piet. I ask that you please open this door, Commander. He waited several seconds, then several more, and tensed as he heard the troopers behind him shift, agitated. No response. He activated the intercom again, letting the buzzer ring longer this time. Commander Rotz, this is not optional he informed the man, pitching his voice into something authoritative. I ask that you open this door. Still no response, not even a whisper. The hell is going on? Mitch muttered. He ought to have heard that. He should, Piet agreed lowly, as the bad feeling from earlier set low in his gut. Pressing the buzzer again, he decided to put some force behind his demands. Commander Rotz, we know of your participation in the conspiracy to kill Engineer Lars, he told the man. You are under arrest, and I order that you open this door, or we will do so by force. Nothing. Something's wrong. Grace muttered lowly, the man tensing as he sunk into a subconscious battle stance. Agreed. Rocco muttered as she mirrored Grace. Hold off for one moment longer, Piet instructed the both of them. Pressing the buzzer one final time, Piet channeled as much don't fuck with me I've killed worse into his voice as he could, making sheer steel out of his command. Commander Rotz, this is your captain speaking, he stated, voice as unshakable as the unquestionable truth of his statement. 
I demand that you open this door at once, or we will open it by force. This is your last warning to cooperate and surrender yourself willingly. After this, you will be treated like a criminal at flight risk. Do not test me, Commander. Several long moments of absolutely nothing passed. Piet loosened his shoulder and felt steel in his spine. Very well, then, he said as he stepped away from the door. Trooper Rocco, he asked pleasantly, please ram down this door. Rocco's helmet snapped over to him, and he didn't need to see her face to register her disbelief. The door, Tripper, he indicated patiently. Please ram it down. Sir? Cray sat in shock. Piet crossed his arms and fixed the troopers with an annoyed look. I have repeated myself once already, Tripper, he noted lightly. I will do so only once more. Please ram down this door. Your current armor should be more than sturdy enough to do so, if I recall Engineer Lars's presentations correctly. Aren't we... aren't we going to ask someone for the override coat? Majesty asked aghast. Piat shot them all a flat glare. No, do I look like I have the patience for that? He didn't. He really didn't. Now ram down that door, Tripper. That's an order, he instructed flatly. Rocco stared at him silently for a moment, before her helmet jerked as if startled. Um, yes, sir, she mumbled, sounding like she couldn't really believe what she'd just been ordered to do. Please stand back. Piet obliged, easily stepping a decent distance out of the way, and Rocco took up position for a small running start to throw herself against the door. As she braced herself against the carpeted floor, Piet had to admire how Lars's creation seemed to fortify itself as soon as Rocco took up a bracing position, the hard plates locking together at the interlocking sections across her arms, shoulders, and chest, making for one continuous hard surface ideal to deflect any number of impacts like the impact of throwing oneself at a door at full speed. With a kickoff against the ground, Rocco flew past them in a blur of white and black, too fast to track at such close distance, and an almighty shattering crash echoed through the hallway, undoubtedly alerting anyone in the immediate vicinity to what they had done. Well, at least he had the excuse of a curfew to order them all back to their quarters. Staring at the hole that was once the door to 311, Piet felt rather impressed when he saw that Rocco had put enough force behind her dash to fully bend the door inwards. Rocco, whom he could hear stumbling to a halt inside and making a strangled noise. Is everything all right, Trooper? he asked as he caught sight of Rocco's form standing stock still in the middle of the room. I think, she began slowly, horror in her voice, that I can see why the commander wasn't answering the door. With careful steps, Piet watched her walk forward and through the opening he could see her approaching something like a desk. "'Is it safe to enter?' he called after her. Uh, "'I think so, sir,' she said, an odd edge to her voice. "'I don't—I don't think the commander could do anything to us anymore.' Anything. Stepping into the room with quick strides, the other trooper's hot in his heels. He walked up to the trooper. "'Speak clearly, trooper,' he commanded. "'What do you mean—' and then he cut himself off as he caught sight of what she was looking at. There, slumped over his desk, was Commander Rotz, half-lidded eyes staring out dull and sightless into the world, with distinctive dark brown spots in their sclera, complexion pale as the dead, he heard himself state flatly. Suicide, Rocco agreed as her helmet bobbed in a nod, gloved hand carefully reaching out to remove a small auto-injector from the man's exposed upper arm. Probably some kind of neurotoxin, since I can't see any other kind of symptoms. Not blood or fam of the mouth. 
the sounds of spasming or struggle. No inflammation or other marks of the injection site beyond a pinprick. He would have been dead before he realized it. Piet heaved a deep sigh, realizing that he should probably feel something, anything, besides annoyance and faint contempt. But fact remained that Rotz's death meant exactly two things for him. That he was likely guilty, and that they weren't getting any information out of them unless Lord Vader could somehow commune with the dead. Pursing his lips as he looked down pensively at the corpse of his colleague, Piet felt some measure of dark humor as he prepared to give the order that he hadn't had to utter in over half a year at this point, and it wasn't even for the typical reason. Trooper Grace, he ordered calmly, contact the morgue, tell them to send a coroner, someone who can act as a forensic, and a clean-up team. We have another for them to examine and register. A few hours dead at the very most. Yes, sir came the acknowledgment from behind him, and the beeping of a calm told him his orders were being carried out. Looking a bit more closely at the body as he distantly heard Grace tell the morgue what was going on, he frowned as he pensively crossed his arms. Whatever else this meant, there would be no further investigation along the lines of actual people unless Lord Vader managed to drag out any further names from Hurst. As it stood, Rotz was dead, and with him any potential information— something that he was none too happy over, but that he didn't doubt Lord Vader would find even less humor in. Lord Vader. He would have to contact his commander and explain his findings to him as soon as he could, preferably now rather than later. Making up his mind with that thought at the forefront of it, he turned back to face the other troopers. Mitch, Majesty, he barked. Stand guard and ensure that no one else enters this room. Right now, this is a potential crime scene, and until the forensics arrive to the conclusion that there was no foul play, we'll treat it as such. Don't let anyone by unless they have the proper authority to interact with the crime scene. The troopers snapped off a salute each, and promptly marched out of the room. He watched them leave the room before turning back to Rocco. Search the cabin, any scrap of information on their actions and potential members, and report back, he instructed. And you, sir? She asked in return. The troopers snapped off a salute each, and promptly marched out of the room. He watched them leave the room before turning back to Rocco. Search the cabin for any signs of the conspiracy, any scrap of information on their actions and potential members, and report it back, he instructed. And you, sir, she asked in return. Piet grimaced as he thought of his next task at hand. I will see if I can calm Lord Vader to inform him of this latest development in this situation, he told the trooper, earning himself a sympathetic wince from Rocco as she nodded before heading off to do her task. Taking a few steps from the corpse and into the seating area at the opposite end of the room, Piet fished out his calm and selected the most dreaded and yet oftentimes the most productive number on there. The calm beeped once, twice, and didn't get the chance for a third time when it was picked up and the sounds of an ominously cycling respirator filtered into the room. Captain Piet, the vocoder rumbled out of the calm. What is your business? I'm afraid I have bad news, my lord, he informed the man apologetically. We found Commander Rotz dead in his quarters, with suicide by neurotoxin as the likely cause. He breathed deeply, and a cycle of the respirator passed before he could continue, and he swore that the room was a little colder when he did. The morgue has been informed, and the troopers currently with me are searching for information on the conspiracy in the Commander's quarters, but... It is unlikely that the man would have been idiotic enough to keep any form of evidence regardless of the questionable decision to commit an act of treason. Lord Vader finished with a growl the calm crackling with static as it attempted to transmit the sound. Yes, I see your issue, Captain. Piet swallowed as he nodded, even as he knew that the man wouldn't be able to see him, or thought that Vader couldn't see him anyway. I'm sorry, my lord, he muttered apologetically. 
but I'm afraid the trail has run cold. Unless Hurst confessed anything else? He did not. Irritation clear in every syllable. All his contact information went through Commander Rotz. He himself never even knew who wished to arrange for Luke's demise, aside from the Commander. He had racked his brain for any further possibilities and tentatively suggested, and if we cross-referenced his confession with Rotz's schedule, or known acquaintances, my lord, we could place an inquiry with security as to Rotz's whereabouts these last few days to see if there was anyone he met up with. A possibility but unlikely, Captain, the Dark Lord dismissed. According to Hurst, he and Rotz communicated nearly exclusively through their comms, at which point the records of each conversation were deleted afterwards. The idea that any less caution would be used to discuss the assassination attempt with each other and not just the would-be assassin is doubtful to the highest degree. Damn it, well, there went that option. I do not suggest not requesting the data, Captain, his lord clarified. Unlikely though it may be, it is a possibility. But I advise not to rest too much hope on the results of said inquiries. Piet sighed and knew that the man was right. As you say, my lord, he agreed. I will place the inquiries and— We'll do so tomorrow, Lord Vader cut in easily, finishing Piet's sentence in a manner he definitely not expected. Blinking in befuddlement at his calm, Piet thought for a moment that it really had been too long a day if he was imagining his lordship saying such things. Beg your pardon, my lord. He will do so tomorrow, Captain, the Velcoder repeated, rumbling lowly. If you had not realized yet, your shift ended three hours ago. What? But, my lord, he protested, the investigation— No longer has any time-sensitive issues, Lord Vader countered. Finish your current task, Captain. Cooperate with the coroner and forensics as far as your role will extend, but unless a new lead shows itself, you will end your shift. Exhaustion makes for poor work and poorer reasoning, neither of which we can afford. My lord, I am not Mars, Piet thought half hysterically, but wisely kept that shut inside his mind, never to see the light of day. Instead, he said, Yes, my lord, and what of yourself? And what of me, Captain? The man asked evenly. And in that moment, Piet realized that Lord Vader was exactly right about how exhausted he was, since apparently he had somehow decided it was a wise idea to question his lordship. I merely meant to ask whether you will be ending your tasks for the day as well, my lord, he stammered out. The calm crackled with the static Piet had no idea how to interpret, but that set the hairs on his neck on end and made his mind freeze up. Thankfully, it cleared up soon enough in favor of his lordship's voice. I will be returning to the medical wing, Captain, the man told him. And Piet heard what was truly being said here. And relieving the current guards of their duty for the night. Very well, my lord, he acknowledged. As you say, I will contact you tomorrow when I have placed the inquiries then, and cross-referenced them with Hurt himself. That will not be possible, Captain, the Volker rumbled in a crackle over the calm. Hurst was disposed of in a suitable manner befitting a traitor half an hour ago. His confession, however, was extensive and detailed. You will be able to use the records of those. Ah, right. Of course, my lord, he agreed. Is there anything else I should be aware of proceeding forward? Nothing that you will not be able to see for yourself in the records, Captain. Lord Vader dismissed. As for now, I believe you have an investigation to continue and an interview to give to the forensics. Piet was about to open his mouth for questions when Majesty poked her head around the corner. Sir, 
The people from the morgue have arrived, and they're asking if they can speak to you. Are you finished with your report to his lordship? Gaping at the trooper in the calm and rapid succession, he once more heard that horrific static sound that wore on Piet's nerves. Answer the question, Captain. Lord Vader chided. Are you? Uh, yes, I... He stammered out, in full disbelief on what he had just witnessed. How had the man known... Then I suggest you proceed with your orders and then end your shift, Captain. Lord Vader rumbled. Dismissed. With that, the calm beeped once as the call ended, and Piet was left staring at the unresponsive calm in his hand. And that just... did that just really happen? Sir, are you all right? Majesty asked, still hanging around the corner of the destroyed door. I... am uncertain on that statement, Tripper, he admitted, before gathering back his composure. But I believe so, yes. What was your question again? The people from the morgue are here, and asking to talk to you, she repeated effortlessly. Are you ready to do so, Captain? No. Yes, I'll be there shortly. Majesty nodded her head and disappeared back around the corner, presumably to inform the coroner and forensics and whatnot of his answer, and Piet took the moment for two seconds to compose himself. Hurst was dead. He'd known this would happen, and yet it was an irritation now that his immediate contact in the conspiracy had turned up dead by his own hands to, if Piet had to take an educated guess, avoid a similar fate to Hurst. But both men were dead, and there was nothing to be done about it. He would just have to make do in his investigation and make the inquiries, hoping that something would turn up. Tomorrow, that was. Because Lord Vader had essentially ordered him to rest, and while that wasn't completely unheard of, it was still jarring, now that he knew with the demonstration on Lars that it could actually be that it might actually be. He shut that train of thought down before it could arrive. The idea that his lordship could care was perhaps no longer a whimsical fantasy, but it certainly was a dangerous idea to start thinking it might also apply to himself. No, it was better to just not think about it and follow his orders, to end his shift without any further thoughts attached to it. Which wasn't a wholly unobjectionable thought, really, not when compared to having to continue to work on this impossible, horrific case that seemed to twist deeper and darker the more he prodded at it. If nothing else, he would finally be able to have that drink. Sighing and shaking his head, Piet began to make his way over to the door the two seconds gone and the world spinning once more. But even as he brought his thoughts back in order to attempt to form a coherent narrative for the forensics and coroner, the thought lingered in the back of his mind. After all, it wasn't every day that you got a hint that the supreme commander of the Imperial Armed Forces might care. And there were even fewer days, Piet thought as he recalled where his commander was heading once more, when it pointed to him perhaps having a heart, after all. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Donkadai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.